What's more entertaining than watching MMA fighters fight in a cage? Well, nothing, actually, but you know, that didn't stop them from occasionally making appearances on reality TV shows, morning talk shows, and other network sports broadcasts. Having said that, some of those appearances were pretty disastrous, and yeah, hilarious as a result. Sure, sometimes you could put the blame on the presenters for not really knowing who or what mixed martial arts are, but I mean, if you take an MMA fighter out of their comfort zone, which is, you know, visceral combat, and then ask them to put together a business plan good enough for the future president of America, well, it's more than likely going to end in tears. I'm Bailey in from MMA on point, and boom, Jocko is back. Guns are blazing and slinging that all-natural energy boost. That's right, Jocko Fuel is back in a big way, as this February you can get buy one, get one, 50% off, and you can stack that bastard with your exclusive code MMA on point for a further 10%. Yeah. So, with your subscription, get that free shipping and stock up on your fuel over at JockoFuel.com for the ultimate clean energy boost. Anyways, more on that later, but for now, here are 10 disastrous MMA TV appearances. Number 10. Luke Rockhold, Millionaire Matchmaker Luke Rockhold, make a fool of himself, never. Conceive, believe, achieve. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> In all honesty, Luke Rockhold's early career was super impressive, as was his abilities as a fighter. I'm sure most of the community give him props for that. But, well, he just doesn't help himself, does he? I'm sure he's not trying to come off smarmy, but his choice of one-liners over the past hasn't really helped his case. Senor Tito. And I'm sure if we, say, filmed his attempts to hit on several women over the course of an entire TV episode, a few more of them might slip out. Wait, they already did that? A lover and a fighter. You know... I just haven't found the love. Yes, he was a contestant on Millionaire Matchmaker with a rich and wealthy matchmate with the rich and wealthy, but in a safe environment and on TV, I guess. It's okay, I don't get it either. Probably not their target audience. But I guess someone asked Rockhold and he was down to party, especially after he kind of sadly explained while he was there. Just a small town boy. I've shut out the women in my life and, and you know, I'm seeing my friends settling down, having kids, getting married and... I definitely want that in my life. Anyway, Luke didn't really have a good time, it seems, and he didn't like the lineup, apparently. You know what? I was, uh, was kind of disappointed with what we had, so I ended up taking a bartender. I mean, one date I think was going well until he asked Kara. He was like, Kara, do you spit or swallow? Damn, just go ahead. Right down the middle, Luke, eh? He told everyone the editors had done him dirty, but he was still Gordon Ramsay'd out of the host's office. Get the f- yeah, he took some backlash for this one. I mean, also not a great look for the sport, but there's twats in every industry. Number nine, Thomas Denny, Bully Beatdown. If you don't know about Bully Beatdown, prepare to have your weekend content cravings fulfilled because it was hands down the best show on MTV. Jason Mayhem Miller was the host and his job was to find victims of bullying all across the states, get them to identify their bully and then call both parties into the studio in front of a live audience where Mayhem would offer the bully $10,000 to fight an MMA fighter. I mean, who doesn't want to see that? Essentially, the bully had to survive two rounds. The first round was submissions only. For every time the bully tapped, they would give $1,000 away to the victims. Round two was kickboxing and all they had to do was pretty much not quit or get knocked out. Yeah, this show was pretty fucking entertaining. Seeing Bobby Green nearly make a guy shit his pants, Eddie Alvarez and Jake Shields take no fucking mercy whatsoever, I think Andre Olofsky killed a guy. So what was the disaster? Well, King of the Cage champion Thomas Denny was brought in to take care of the Russian meathead bully. The problem was, well, he was basically useless. He failed to submit the dude one time in the five-minute window, which is honestly, I want to say surprising, but I guess considering the guy is a world champion, pretty embarrassing. And then in the kickboxing round, although we put it on the Russian, the dude took everything like a champ and kept on coming. So basically, a bully got paid 10 grand and these poor, poor victims probably got nothing but a lifetime supply of wet willies and wedgies. Denny let the team down on this one. Disastrous, mate. Number 8. Chael Sonnen, The Celebrity Apprentice 
For a man who's never lost in the cage, business seems like the next logical step. I mean, let's face it, if you can pull the wool over the eyes of an audience of millions to the point where you are convincing people that you didn't lose a fight, that you clearly did, then smooth-talking people into agreeing with your every word around a boardroom meeting table should be a piece of cake. They don't call you a great, smart, charismatic, intelligent contestant. They call you jail son and... Oh, and uh, what's that other expression? That's it. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Yeah, you can imagine how Chow's time on The Apprentice went, and he would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for his goody two-shoes teammate Carson Cressley. Time was running out on a task, so Chael did what he does best. Went full soldier of fortune, grabbed a pair of scissors, cut the power cord to the computer, causing enough of a disruption to buy the team more time. But then in front of Arnie, who was the boss for this season, Cressley dobbed him in, and he was not pleased. I will not tolerate cheaters in my boardroom. You fired. Yeah, seems like Chael's shtick doesn't work on every relentless killing machine. Still getting sent to hell by one of the most beloved figures in planet Earth's history kind of stings a bit. Chael took his shot, but it all ended in tears. He also didn't agree with the rest of his team. And despite his abilities as a marketing genius, this was not another win for the bad guy. Still pretty goddamn entertaining, though. Number 7. Daniel Cormier and Francis Ngannou on Good Day New York DC and Francis popped up on the Fox 5 TV show Good Day New York. UFC 220 was coming up and DC was defending his belt against Uzdemir and Francis was taking on Stipe for the first time. Perfect opportunity for some promotion. So what did they want to ask him? Well, unfortunately, the entire interview has been scrubbed from the face of the internet, but I still have all the details and they're pretty fucking hilarious. After opening up with a question about Francis's hair, which he replied was for the championship fight, they asked DC what it was like to be a lightweight champion. DC told them, I'd be so sexy if I was a lightweight, my God. But you know, light heavyweight, lightweight, sure, that's easy to confuse. DC is a big boy. Boy, though, who the fuck they think the heavyweights are, the Hulk? So to correct this, they asked him if he'd ever considered fighting at heavyweight. You know, like he did for the first 13 fights of his career. Also kind of won the last ever Strikeforce heavyweight tournament. But I get it, they aren't MMA fans. They obviously didn't do their research, or someone didn't, but I guess it's somewhat forgivable. Oh, until they mentioned him crying after being KO'd by Jones. Yeah, and Garnu couldn't stifle his laughter at that one. But then they asked him where the nickname DC comes from? Okay, I'm done. Number 6. The opening for the Fox deal. Right, now this one is a classic. I'm sure most of you have already seen it, but in case you haven't, the premise is this. The UFC and Dana had been holding out for years for what they called the right television deal. Something to push them over the edge, not send them back to Spike TV. Finally, a deal was penned with Fox. A big name, certainly a step forward for the company. So all that was left to do was do a big announcement live on TV. Yay! Oh look, it's Joe Rogan with hair. And he's for some reason having a bit of trouble getting his words out. To kick things off, I'd like to introduce the, the distinguished executives must be the cold, calculating corporate atmosphere in the room. Great for an exciting sports announcement, eh? Well, not only does he seem incredibly stiff, probably because of the teleprompter delaying the ferocity and speed at which he churns out his words, but apparently the Fox camera team have never watched a UFC event or bothered to write down who's who backstage. I mean, they got their own Fox people, right, of course, and yeah, they know who Dana and Lorenzo are, so that's a good start, but apparently Frankie Edgar has become Canadian and a uh, bald. Frankie Edgar... And, well, George seems to have shrunk significantly. George St. Pierre. Still, Joe got a round of applause from everyone. <laughs> At least something broke the awkward tension in the room. Fox, eh? Woo! Then you had to do a party. Number five, Tito Ortiz, The Celebrity Apprentice. 
We all knew Tito had a mind for business ever since he went seat to seat at those early UFC events putting flyers with his face on each chair. But how does that skill set transfer over to the cutthroat world of business? Yes, where only the strong survive regardless of the number of graves they've dug inside the octagon. I'm talking of course about the celebrity apprentice. Tito was on the cast for 2008 opposite some tough competition, Lennox Lewis, Piers Morgan, shit apparently even Gene Simmons and his tongue. Tito somehow made it to episode 9 of the season before eventually being fired, most likely because he seems to be Donald Trump's favourite, but he had his fair share of, well I want to say awkward moments, but let's just call them Tito moments, because let's face it, press conferences, interviews, he kind of has a way of delivering his sentences. Being a celebrity is, you know, only paper deep. And a rather interesting suit collection. Okay, so he didn't do too badly. In fact, as a project manager in week three, he won, and when asked to present the company Kodak in a new light, he even tipped over a table and spilt coffee all over a laptop. But he also brought his wife, Jenna Jameson, to help with some of the tasks. That's not cheating, is it? It also turns out he's not the best at giving presentations. Yeah, probably could have seen that one coming based on some of his press conferences. I hear his gas coming out of his ass and it's not his butt. Still in week 9, after a weird back and forth and who should be project manager, his team lost the challenge. Yeah, and Tito was pretty much sweating bullets as Trump leveled the responsibility on him. He had a back and forth with Omarosa, his teammate, as to who was responsible. That's the old wrestling survival instincts kicking in right there. And well, yeah, he was fired. Despite Trump basically acknowledging that all fighters are badass and they should automatically be badasses in business. I want to watch you do things beyond the fighting because, boy, you have talent. Because those are the same thing, right? Number four, MMA fighters on blind date. Love me a bit of blind date, mate. I mean, the UK version had one of the greatest scousers of all time. No, not Paddy Pimlet. I'm talking about Scylla Black, who brought in a lot, a lot of viewers. So if you're going to get some handsome MMA men onto a dating show, you probably have a few choices. So how about Tim Sylvia? No. Okay. Well, maybe Tiki Gosen, right? If Josh Thompson wasn't such a punk, he might have had a better chance. Still, there's someone for everyone, right? Tim here, he was looking for ultimate love. He's had his heart broken more times than what Frank Mir did to his arm. Seriously, though, the funniest part about this show is these captions they put up on the screen. Almost rivals the narrator in Come Dine With Me. I mean, they summed up Tim perfectly. Awesome in the ring, or shucks everywhere else. Yeah, still not sure about that one, to be honest. Still, I guess being the heavyweight champion of the world just isn't enough for some people. Well, hopefully Tiki and Rebecca had a better time. But I had my first sober kiss a couple weeks ago, and it was cool because I really liked them. Oh, congratulations. That's always a big moment. This dude is fucking hilarious. Sorry, Scylla. Unfortunately for Tiki, they matched him up with a bit of a party animal, and he had recently been through a spiritual awakening. This one was doomed from the start, I'm afraid. Unzip his pants. Steady on there, Tiki. That's Dwayne Johnson, mate. I know he tried his best, but definitely didn't do himself any favors with his communication skills. What was your first impression of me? I said, wow, this is an attractive girl. Still, Josh Thompson seems more like a ladies' man. How did his appearance on the show go? Well, apparently as long as they avoided deep water and she was wearing a skirt, he would be just fine. Also, the commitment by these men to wear shorts on a date is honestly commendable, as was his admittance to his collection of pink underwear. Oh, my underwear are pink. Still, though, a gentleman through and through that one, not even kissing girls on the first date. I generally don't try to like, kiss girls on the first date, so, you know, I'm fine with that. Unfortunately, though, Denise expected a little more sin in her Sin City visit, so, yeah, sorry, MMA 0 for 3 when it comes to blind dates. Let's get Peter Yan on one of these. I'm sure he'd clean up. Number 3, Rico Rodriguez on Celebrity Rehab with Dr. Drew. 
It's the mid-noughties and MTV is on, and so is Celebrity Rehab with Dr. Drew, so you can be reminded that famous people are humans too, and at the bottom of aspiring career are panic attacks, addiction, and as always, the MTV camera team. Rico beat Randy Couture back in the day to become UFC heavyweight champion, but then lost three in a row and got cut. Three years later, in 2006, he had a fight at Beatdown in Bakersfield. He won, but then tested positive for cocaine and Mary Jane, and was given a six-month suspension. But red flags were flying. So two years later, he was brought onto the season one cast of the show where his addictions were listed as cocaine, marijuana, and antidepressants. Some people, like the Boston Herald, called the program exploitive, heartless, and downright toxic. They filled the Pasadena Recovery Center in California with cameras and started filming. Rico arrived in episode three of season one and didn't exactly get along with everybody else. Things got worse, though, when he made a confession to what else had happened to him in 2006. He was driving with his girlfriend while high and slammed into an 18-wheeler, and then a wall. He was already suspended for a DUI, so he dragged his girlfriend's body, who he thought was dead, into the driver's seat. I thought she was dead, so I dragged her body, put her on the steering wheel, and then when the cops came, I said she was driving. Luckily, she was alive, but I'm sure that makes anyone want to turn their life around, which she apparently did for a while after the show, but was arrested again in 2011 and 2013. Number two, Ronda Rousey on Golik and Wingo. So, Ronda was on top of the world, right? Then she lost to Holly, went radio silent, came back to fight Amanda, got obliterated, and basically retired. Or did she? Has she even now? Leave it to renowned ESPN hosts Golic and Wingo to get to the bottom of this. She went on their show, and they asked her directly, just for clarification. They did not understand the shitstorm they had unleashed. Initially, they were talking about WrestleMania 34, as Ronda was making her WWE debut. She was all smiles at that point, but Golic wanted an answer to the most burning question on everyone's lips. When you knew in your mind... I'm not going to fight anymore. I never said that. Boom. It was like he'd eaten her pet goldfish in front of the whole office. Either that or he'd just stepped through the wardrobe into Narnia and had come face to face with a white witch herself. Okay, perhaps you didn't. It's a misunderstanding. Golic tried to change tack and asked her. So there is a possibility that you could go back in time? There's a possibility that I could go back in time? That's your question to me? Man, Rhonda was having none of it. Obviously, Golic wasn't being literal about having access to a real-life DeLorean. He was asking her with enough time would she go back to the sport, but man, she lit him on fire for this one. She clarified, I do not have the ability to go back in time, no. Good, because I know you've already reached Avengers level of fame, just making sure that doesn't come with a couple of superpowers as well. Clearly, she was there to talk about wrestling. She'd already hidden from the media in the build-up to the rematch with Amanda at 207, but one, you can't avoid those questions forever. God damn it, people want to know. And two, talk about an overreaction. She looked at like he'd ninja'd a BOE epic that dropped in Karazan. She plays World of Warcraft. Number one, Chuck Liddell, Good Morning Texas. 300 was a great film, wasn't it? Lots of violence, blood, men with their shirts off, kind of like a cage fight, really. And if I was promoting that movie, sure, I could see myself reaching out to the UFC light heavyweight champion at the time for a bit of help marketing the thing. The only thing is, being a UFC champion in 2007, well, I'm sure it's much the same today, just with less social media. So, at least according to Dana, Chuck was a rock star both inside the cage and out of it. And we all know it's not easy being one of those, either. Either way, Chuck basically couldn't keep his eyes open, or his words in a single coherent sentence. I really got interested in the clips and started teaching our books about The presenter asked him questions about the movie and Chuck replied in a somewhat coherent drawl that led to the presenter having to shake him to check he was still conscious. You okay, Chuck? Yeah, I'm okay. All right. You all right? 
The community had a right laugh, and it was mostly forgotten. But then in April of 2021, when fielding questions from MMA fighting, Chuck explained he was barely conscious that morning because he'd recently taken an Ambien, a sleeping pill, and he'd been feeling under the weather. And he corrected Dana, saying he wasn't all slurry because he'd been out all night partying. He'd just been too sick to go out partying and get messy, so he'd taken a sleeping pill instead. He was surprised they had managed to wake him up, let alone get him onto the sofa and onto the show. Apparently, after Dana and Lorenzo saw the interview, they jumped on a freaking plane and flew straight to Texas to sit down and have a talk with him. Understandable, really. I just want to give a big, big shout out to the official fuel of MMA on point, Jocko Fuel. And holy hell, what a February deal they've got going on. Buy one, get one, 50% off. And you can stack that with your exclusive code from MMA on point for a further 10%. So make that Jocko Fuel rain with an endless energy boost. Get your subscription, get your free shipping and stock up over at JockoFuel.com. A big shout out to Luke Taylor for editing this video. You can find him and some of his amazing artwork on Twitter at cool2me underscore. Shout out to Ben Rosette and the excellent music he provided during the intro video. His music can be found on streaming platforms everywhere. There is a link in the description and follow him at Ben Rosette on Instagram and on Twitter. Thank you very much for watching everyone today. Please go ahead and like and subscribe if you did enjoy the content. We upload at least three videos every week for your viewing pleasure. Go ahead and leave a comment below if you want to join in the discussion and follow us on Twitter at MMA on Point and myself at Balian underscore plays. You can now jump in and join the community discord as well if you want to continue the discussion further and I hope you've enjoyed yourselves. I'll see you in the next one. Thank you.